This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey, it's Lauren. Welcome to the Open to Alchemy podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here listening to this episode. It's a really fun one with Gigi Miller, my guest, who is a professional organizer. And Gigi and I talk about so many different topics. We definitely get into clearing your physical space, clearing your mental space, all about clutter and how it affects you. And we also talk about dealing with our need for instant gratification and money issues. We talk about numbing through consumption. And there's a lot of really good tips that Gigi shares for new entrepreneurs, whether it be advice for getting started, finding your purpose, dealing with financial uncertainty and imposter syndrome. So there's so much packed in here, something for everyone, and I hope that you will enjoy it. Have you found in your business that has been hard to explain what it is you do? I'm sure a hurdle that you probably come across again, a, a bunch is I could do that myself, right? Yes all the time. And it's very, um, I don't want to say so sucky when someone says that to me, but, um, I mean, I started in 2008 and back then there was no, the home edit, there was no Marie Kondo. There was really a very limited amount of people that were out there talking about it and doing it. So it was a lot. I would always, somebody would say, Hey, you know, what do you do? You're at a cocktail party, whatever. I'm a professional organizer. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, oh, I didn't even know that was a real job. And yeah. it's like, oh my God, <laughs> that and oh, I could do that myself. So it was like all these like negative things I was like coming again, you know, upon when I was trying to explain what I do. Um, but over the years, it's definitely the industry has gotten so much attention, which is always a good thing. And the container store isn't just this place where organizers go now. And people are so interested in simplifying their lives. And so it's gotten a lot easier now when I say what I do. The first comment is, oh, I need you in my life. Mm. So it's very interesting how it's changed. Are you able to weather that storm of... And this is something that I hear a lot from new entrepreneurs. It's like mm-hmm. they, they give something a runway of three months, six months, a year. And if they're not seeing, if they're not getting the response that they had hoped yeah. for, if they're not seeing the results, you know, it's very easy to just sort of like cut and run. And I can feel both ways about that. You know, on the one mm-hmm. hand, like I really coach people to, to look inside and feel connected and use their intuition. And I do think there's times where, you know, this is just not the right thing. And then other times where you really have to 
dig in and put your blinders on and just mm -hmm. keep moving forward. So how were you, how did you navigate that? And how were you able to keep, keep the focus? I think for me, there was no plan B. This is what I, I feel inside. I just, this is what I'm meant to do. And I feel a hundred percent confident about it. Whether it means my business is successful or not, doesn't matter at that point. It's like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. This is what I love doing. This is what brings me joy and it gives me purpose. And I just feel like there was no other plan B. I, I was going to make this work and what that looked like, I didn't know. Um, obviously I wanted to be successful, but it wasn't so much about that than kind of just finally feeling like I found my purpose in life. And I didn't start this business until I was in my forties. So I had had, you know, previous careers. Um, we just moved to Atlanta. So it was kind of a fresh start. So the timing of it was perfect, but I always felt like I wasn't in the right career until this happened. So I, you know, through bad times and good times, I just stick it out because I know this is what I'm meant to do. What is that feeling of knowing what you're meant to do? And I'd love to dig into that because, mm -hmm. I mean, if you search up online, how do I find my purpose? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is like the number one thing. And, and, you know, I look at it from the intuitive perspective. I look mm -hmm. at it from a practical perspective, from human design. You know, I have different modalities that I use to help people really tap into that. And so I'd love to hear what that feels like, how that alignment or flow just feels yeah. in your body, feels in your brain. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's been kind of a lifelong thing. When I look back, there were so many like signs building up to this. I just didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I always used organizing as a way to help with anxiety. So anytime I felt anxious, even as a kid, I remember wanting to like bring some order to my space and, and doing something, organizing a pantry, you know, like a drawer in the kitchen. Or I remember going to my dad's office, he was a doctor and I would like organize his files and it felt good. It was almost just a form of like, I don't know, like therapy for me. It felt really good. So I knew there was that part of it. The other part of it is I was a sociology major and I've always been fascinated by how people's environments impact the way they live and where their decision-making comes. I love understanding, um, you know, how someone lives and what that space looks like, who's in that space. That was really fascinating to me. So I think what happened, and I also love space design. I love design. Um, I would never be an interior designer because that's not my calling. I enjoy it, but it just seemed all those three things came together it was like, I was trying to figure out how to do all of them, but then this brought them all together. And that's just when I knew it was like puzzle pieces and everything fit right timing, right. Everything. I love that. And I think that's so important that you share that because I do think that we can have this tendency to look at our gifts or our passions in a very compartmentalized way. Mm -hmm. And I love that you were able to sort of take this, you know, this bird's eye view or this wider perspective and say that, okay, these three things can come together and I can create something that 
I love and uses my passions and my skills and my interests and sort of combine together. Even at that time, like you're saying, when you might not have ever met anybody that did no, that. I and didn't know it existed. Right, yeah. right. So you really created an industry for yourself. Well, so interesting enough, when we first moved here, I felt very lost. I mean, I left a career that I did enjoy, but I knew it wasn't the right fit. And I remember my mom calling me and she said, I just watched Oprah and there was this man on there and his name is Peter Walsh and he's an organizer. And I really think you should look into it. And I was like, what? And that's kind of what, I mean, it was all building up and I was putting it out there to the world, but that phone call kind of changed everything. I remember just getting online and looking up professional organizer and then an association came up and I'm like, what? There's a national association? Like these people, who are these people? There was a local chapter in Atlanta and I went to a meeting and that kind of solidified it all. Like, okay, this is, this is a real thing that I can make happen. This isn't like, oh, I wish someone just paid me to like organize their closet. Like this is, this is a thing. So again, it was kind of the timing of all the pieces, but also knowing my mom, even understanding and knowing that's what I love doing and I was good at. So the fact that it, keep, it brings me joy and I love doing it, it's really hard work sometimes, but I love it. And I don't know, I think it just always goes back to, it just feels right. It just feels like this is what I was always meant to do. And I actually love the running the business part, which I didn't think I would. And so that's been a really interesting um, twist because I always thought, I just want to do the actual like organizing. I don't want to worry about running a business and having somebody else do it, but it's brought me so much confidence because I would never have thought, oh, I'm going to learn how to manage money and do QuickBooks and do invoicing and build a website and all that. So that part of it was really um, kind of a surprise. And I love that part of it as well. Yeah. So who knew? I love that. Who knew? Yeah. First of all, I think it's so funny because I totally can picture um, that Oprah episode and Peter yes. Walsh, and he would go to people's houses that were sort of like yes. porters and really help yeah. them. Um, and I love that your mom had that insight, you know, she to did. sort of sprinkle that little seed into your awareness and really give you that kickstart. And that, again, that's one of the things that I love so much about, you know, about this platform, about social media, one of the good things, the silver linings is that you, that we all get to now experience and see things that we might never had had the opportunity to before, because mm -hmm. there's so many people and so many different walks of life doing so many different things. And it really just expands and opens up the possibilities to us where, you know, previously it was like, well, if you didn't read it in that newspaper that you got, or you didn't see it on TV, you didn't get that information. No, you don't know. And I think, you know, what I love is like when young people reach out and want to know about it and they want it to be their career, you know, they want to, they want to start doing it. And I also thought, you know, growing up, it's like you went to college and then you went to work for somebody else. I never thought in my mind that I would like own my own business. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but that, but when I think about it, it's like, I always, flexibility was always important to me. And again, it's like all those pieces just 
fit. And I wanted to kind of run my own show. And um, so it kind of all came together. It was like, here's this opportunity. It allows me flexibility. It allows me to grow and learn. Again, it just kind of fit all the boxes, yeah. which I don't know how it happened. I mean, I'm, you know, I think back and I'm like, yeah, there were all these things that kind of led up to it. I just didn't know where it was going. So for people kind of struggling with not sure if they're in the right place or what they're doing, you're right. It is kind of this feeling of all the pieces are fitting and it's working. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just continuing to be open, continuing yeah. to pursue what it is you love and what excites you and what you're curious about, even if it doesn't mm -hmm. make perfect sense, even if it's like, I don't know why this thing is interesting to me, but that's okay. And just yes. building in that time for exploration and play. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think so many of us are just exactly like you, I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to go get a job. And now mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many different ways to find success. Yeah. There's so many different ways to have businesses. There's so yes. many different opportunities. I love that you started this later. And yes. I think that that is really inspirational that at any time you can pick up a passion and turn it into something more. I'd love Absolutely. to hear how you think about clutter. Mm -hmm. and the way it affects us. This has been a big thing for me. I've been yes. really like clear the clutter, you know, yes. mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. So how, tell me your thoughts on that. It is. I mean, clutter is, the, there's, so, there's different types. There's the physical clutter that we see in our spaces. There's emotional clutter. There's digital clutter. There's all different kinds of clutter, the mental clutter. And it really does impact your health. And I mean, a, you know, an example is if your mind is all jumbled and it's full of things because you have so many things going on or so many things you're procrastinating and then look at, and then look at a closet that's crowded. And how does that make you feel? Like if you see a cluttered closet where you can't even get in and you can't find anything, that's how your mind feels. And so the physicals there, the mentals there, they all work together. Um, I like having spaces that are clean and simple, but that doesn't always work for everyone. So each client, it's really about what do they need to kind of have that peace. You make poor decisions. You don't sleep well. It affects everything in your life. Also affects your family, affects your kids. I've worked with kids where they have so much anxiety because they can't find things or, you know, they're always late for things because their parents are not great with timing and all of that affects children too. So it's, you know, it's something that affects everyone in your life. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. If I am trying to leave the house and mm -hmm. can't find something, you know, we have places that we leave things. And so that's, you know, sure. everything does have a home. So that makes things easier. But that feeling of just like, I, I just had it. I put yeah. it down and I don't know where it is. It is, I, I, it's like, I can feel my whole body sort of start to, you know, bubble. Yes, you have a like, physical reaction. Absolutely. absolutely. And we have gotten really good about just continuing to get rid of things and clear things yes. out. 
so the clutter I think mm -hmm. is easy, easier for our family. The sentimental piece of yes. things I always yes. find challenging because, you know, when something feels like it's not replaceable, like mm -hmm. any physical thing, you know, a mug, a picture, a plant, a whatever, like there's a million of those. But when yes. it comes to kids artwork or, mm -hmm. you know, something that is in a fam that was from a family member that's no longer living, like those sure. are real ties. It is physically challenging for some of us to part with those things. And then mm -hmm. on the flip side, my husband's always like, can we at least display this? Because otherwise it's just in the attic and that's so yes. dumb. <laughs> so yes, good point. I mean, this is where a lot of people struggle. I think it's easy to get rid of toys and clothes and um, appliances you don't use, things like that. But when it gets to photos and keepsakes, this is where like the real work and this is what I tell clients. If you have 10 bins filled with keepsakes from your children's, you know, their artwork or things they made, what are you going to do with that? Like, <laughs> are they going to want those six boxes when they move out of the house? Probably not. Right. So what if you kept, you know, you can create your own guidelines. What if you say one bin for each child and really, really special things are going to go in there? or you can take pictures of artwork and make a book. I mean, you can reduce the amount of stuff while keeping the memories. But I also think that, like your husband said, if everything's in a bin in the attic, it's not being enjoyed the way you think it should be, right? If those things are precious enough to keep, then they should be precious enough to like be displayed somewhere where you can enjoy it. So where do you think that emotional attachment comes from? Is it, you know, I, I think that people can, obviously there are, you know, physical mm -hmm. hoarders who just like, is yeah. it, is it control? Is it a, is it a loss of control? Like, what is it that makes it hard for us to say, I'm going to throw out this thing, mm -hmm. or I'm going to give it to somebody else? I think a lot of fear. I think it's, um, I think with parents, they really struggle with their kids growing up and wanting to hold on to every, every memory is really important. They also, a lot of times parents are holding on to them because they want the kids to have them. And when you ask children, they typically don't want any of it. And, um, I think it's, you know, it's really hard in our culture because it's easy to overspend and overbuy. It's easy to keep a lot because the houses are so much bigger here and you have storage units. People I have so many clients that have storage units filled with stuff that they're holding on to because someone gave them mm -hmm. some antique furniture and they don't know, they might use it one day or it's filled with like newspaper articles or, and what is the purpose of that storage unit? So I just really try to ask questions to get down to why is it important to keep it. And I think once they get to a point where they can't come up with a good why, they start. <laughs> They're out of excuses. <laughs> They're out of excuses. So yeah. it's a process. And so until you can kind of give me that, here's why. And then we work around, well, let's reduce it 
Right. So obviously I'm not going to make everyone get rid of like all their photos and all their keepsakes, but let's reduce it to a reasonable amount that maybe your child will want that bin one day. There's so many things you can do to preserve memories now that allows you to, you know, reduce the clutter and enjoy those keepsakes. Yeah. And also not to be morbid, but I can't tell you how many people I've had phone calls from saying parents passed away and they have to clean out the house and it's not fun. And they kept everything. Oh yeah. The oh, kids, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And then that's it's a nightmare. Like, yeah. So I mean, think is. about it. It's like, you're going <laughs> to, what, where is it going to go? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. So why are you, again, it goes back to that. Why, why are you holding on to it? Because if it's for the purpose of giving it to somebody, you better make sure that person really wants it. Or if you're holding on to it just because you're scared to let go, you don't know where to, where to take it or resources for that. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is important, you know, again, and every, everybody has a different level of it being on the scale of easy to hard for them. But I sure. do think that if it is easier for you to involve the family, you know, we, mm -hmm. I think when kids are little, it's very hard for them to separate. Everything is equally important. Like they just oh, like, they're little, I need this rock. I need this seed. Yes. I need My treasure. Uh, they right. need every treasure and that's they okay. Let them have it. Enjoy it. Yes. yes. But then once they get old enough, you know, we always, you know, we definitely clean out closets, clean through toys, and we have a bin at the front of the house. And it's like, just explaining to the kids that like, if you're not using this and you don't love it, and certainly if it doesn't fit or, you know, anything like yes. that, somebody else could benefit from this and really trying yeah. to explain to them the privilege that they are in to have access to all these things. Yeah. And that so many other, you know, people in our community and certainly around the world just don't have the same resources. And, yeah. and I hate to see things being, you know, thrown out when they could be I know. recycled. They could be or... recycled or repurposed. It is a form of mental clutter because having too many choices is overwhelming for all of us, especially kids. If they have a playroom with like hundreds of toys, that gets overwhelming for them. So again, narrowing it down and, and simplifying things where they're just enjoying a few things for a while. And then if they get outgrow them, move on to something else. But all these choices, even for, you know, think about for adults. If I have too many choices, I get very overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I want it simple. I want it narrowed down to like, you know, three to five things. So again, it is a form of mental clutter. And, it, you know, this whole like overbuying, it's so easy with Amazon and Target and like, that's a big problem. I think that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah, that I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of my questions for you, how you felt about, you know, the idea of minimalism, about fighting mm -hmm. against consumerism. My loyal listeners will know this is one <laughs> of my little um, things that I talk about every few episodes, because I think it's, it's, it's legitimately challenging. I think that yes. when you are in a certain environment, in a certain community, mm -hmm. you do feel pressure to 
have things you do see well it's just like that's an easy solution I could throw a little bit of money at that or you know your kids come home and like everybody's got all the things and it's sort of this constant battle when when you tell people my husband has this dream of you know after the kids graduate you know high school and go to college depending on where they are of selling our house and basically Mm -hmm. living a nomadic lifestyle when I tell people, when we share this idea with people, they look at us like we have 17 heads. What? You don't want a bigger house. You want to get rid of your house. You want to live in a smaller home. You want to sell your home. You want to travel. Like, what about your stuff? What about your this? Stuff. Like your stuff or, you yes. know, and, and, and so without a continual check-in and like, okay, it's okay that this feels good to me even if nobody else understands it it is very hard to swim against the current of commercialism it's very hard and it's I mean it's a battle every day especially with social media uh, and tv and going to school and seeing what other kids have we are constantly wanting things constantly it's but they want us to want things we're we're being trained to want things it is never enough and it feels really good when you do buy that you know outfit or whatever toy you saw on Instagram but then what it's like it's almost like a drug it's just never enough and he just yeah. keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and you want another new thing and you want another thing I'm not perfect I mean I'm constantly <laughs> on social media going I want that cute dress or oh I should get new pillows for my you know couch that'll be fun that'll make me happy and so I mean I struggle with it as well but I also know that uh, obviously we live in a world where yes, you know, there are things we can't avoid, but just simple keeping it, you know, coming up with your own guidelines as a family, I think is really important because everybody's different. There's no one solution for everything. So if your guidelines are okay, if you get a new, if you really want this new toy, what can we give to someone else to make space for it? Mm-hmm. Or if you really want like a new book or, you know, simple things, but like, what is that? What are the guidelines going to be? Like one in, one out, like having like, I mean, that's a really easy guideline, but you can also Mm -hmm. come up with your own. I mean, you know, families have gotten really um, creative with not only with stuff, but also activities. And again, that goes back to that mental clutter. It's like, it may not be stuff, but your days might be filled with activities. And that gets stressful as well. So it's kind of just looking at everything and saying, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want my space to be and spending time in that space? And what works for our family? Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, this I, th- this whole mentality of more is more mm-hmm. is more. It's, it's exhausting. It, it is, is it's, exhausting. It's, I think it's really important for everyone to have their own journey with that. We're always constantly struggling with being we're never satisfied we always want more because other people are telling us we want more right and that more is better and yeah I definitely feel in the past few years for me that has been a big shift in Mm -hmm. recognizing that in realizing really clearly what you're saying about 
the new thing does not bring happiness. Maybe it does for a few minutes, a few days, even a few sure. weeks. Yeah. But really, you know, even here's a perfect example. So putting something that you want in the car, in your Amazon card yes. and then leaving it there for a day. Yeah. First of all, you probably yes. know this, you will in- undoubtedly get a coupon or a discount oh. if you leave it at least. You will get many reminders. They're no, but not you'll gonna let a, you forget. But you'll get a savings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll get because there's so many, you know, and I'm you know, I don't know how your business is run, but you know, I have an online store for mine. And so mm-hmm. you can set up all of these different tactics for, you know, if somebody has left their cart open, if something, you know, if right. they click on something. Right. And so we're constantly being prompted, but leaving it there just for overnight, like, do I even need this thing? Do I even want this thing anymore? Yeah. We Let can that eliminate. feeling ride. Yeah. Yes. Let ride that, that wave. Ride. Yeah. ride that wave. Cause it is yeah. that instant gratification that we want. It feels so good to like click buy now and then choose your day and you know, it's coming and you get so excited And um, I also think having conversations about budget and spending is really important. And again, that's part of like the family guidelines, because if you have guidelines, it's easier to say no and yes to things, right? So if you know that here's our budget for each kid, they get this amount. If they've spent it, then they know that, you know, they're just much more conscious of like making decisions on what they want to purchase. Or what gifts they want. I think budget and money has so many ties and so much baggage that comes along with it, depending on how you're raised. And if it was something that was freely and openly talked about. Right. You know, if it wasn't talked about at all, it was very taboo and you're buying things and hiding them. And I mean, uh, you know, there are it's going back to like the sociology of it with working with clients. I always ask about how they grew up and what was it like with their space and what was, how was money treated and how were things treated because it does affect who they are today and how they relate to things and money and their space. Absolutely. And I think that people become so not only numb to it and their things, but also don't realize that that constant purchasing or constant experience searching is yeah. in many ways a numbing technique. It's like they're it trying is. to either numb a, a pain that they feel that they potentially haven't identified, or they're just like are feeling an emptiness that they're mm-hmm. constantly trying to fill. You know, Similar yeah. to drinking, similar to yes. drugs, eating, similar to food, eating, yeah, everything. exercising, anything that you're doing outside of, you know, a moderate amount, like it's just yeah. really important that we're open and honest and check in about that, you know, and I think there's people that clearly do it in certain ways. There's the people that every day it's like the, the Starbucks effect, you know, the $5 at Starbucks and that adding up. Or it's the people that are like, oh, okay, I'm going to be really thrifty, but I'm going to have my big splurge, you know, yeah. every month and treat myself. And it's just so interesting how it all it works. Is. And I it's feel all like about a- feeling good. I mean, it goes back to what everyone's searching for what happiness they want to be happy. What makes me happy? Yeah. And a lot and of times shopping and buying stuff and collecting things or holding on to things. I mean, they think that's what makes them happy. 
Right. And then they're in their space and it's not their sanctuary. It's like a place that they want to escape from because of the stuff. They don't want to be there. So obviously the stuff is not making you happy anymore. So again, just kind of going back to that why, and it's really important to just be comfortable with yourself and like who you want to be and ignore everything else that's telling you you need this and you need your house to look like this. And it gets very overwhelming. It's all that clutter in your head. It's just exhausting. Exhausting. No, it's true. And I think when you, when you're sharing about this, because you have had so many clients and seen so many different circumstances, I think it's just very um, validating. And I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people who feel like, oh, I'm just making this up or, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. I just need to figure it out or make my way through or whatever. Like I definitely am a high, more highly sensitive person. (laughs) And so I can physically feel the changes in Mm -hmm. being in a space that is overly cluttered or has a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff, or even, I mean, this might sound kind of wacky, but like being in a space that doesn't feel authentic to to you people, to me or people to the live people who live there yeah so absolutely like being in a space and being like this doesn't feel like you at all no um, and they're holding on a lot of times they're holding on to all this like big furniture because it was handed down this doesn't feel authentic to you and once we they make the decision to clear it and just kind of look at their space as uh, this is for me and my family that always feels so good And just, again, expectations are, is another big form of mental clutter for mothers. Mm, Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'd love for you to share how you have navigated your business. One of the things I'm Mm -hmm. starting to talk about with some of my clients is the financial situation that in the news that we're hearing a lot about. So as a small business owner, as a, you know, solopreneur, how have you navigated those ebbs and flows in what's happening? Because, you know, obviously I think that your business is a necessity, um, yes. but if it's something that really more correlates with quote unquote disposable income, and, and I'd mm-hmm. love to just hear your perspective on riding that financial uncertainty. I think anytime you're a business owner, it's all I mean, I, I struggle to feel financially secure, no matter what, how many years I've been doing this 12 years. And I still have, I still have moments where I don't feel, I worry about, oh my gosh, okay, in two weeks, the calendar is blank, what's happening, you know, I mean, I think that's constant thing that I struggle with. But um, I mean, you know, I think it's understanding um, really believing in the, what you value, value is really important. I think knowing, being confident in you provide something of value to clients. And I mean, they need it if they're reaching out to you. Um, I think, I think it's really difficult sometimes when you're struggling to figure out like fees and then who can afford this and who's my, I, you know, who's my target audience and what do they look like and what do they do for a living and all of that, that whole world gets really complicated. And I think I just removed myself from it, or at least I, I decided to, and I was like, 
here's, you know, here's what I offer. I think it's a value. Here's what I think is a reasonable amount. And I'm not going to target anyone specific because it is something anyone could use. And I just kind of let go of that stress of trying to figure out who that target audience is and to market to them and everything. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's the smartest business move, but I've just like gotten to a point where, um, and it's really been interesting because since COVID happened, my business has actually grown. And I think that a couple of things, I think people were just at home and they were realizing that they weren't happy in their space and they wanted to simplify and people were stressed and people were worried about their health and just perspective. And so my business really actually really grew and is still continuing to grow because people are still kind of in that same place. So um, I didn't suffer during COVID, but I don't know if I've answered your question. I think it, should, it is something we always worry about as business owners and it's, it's always going to be challenging, but I think you kind of know in your gut what feels right and just go from there and yeah. always just be confident in your, and value yourself and other people need to value your services too. I mean, the first thing someone says to me is like, oh, well, that's, you're too expensive. That just makes me feel sad. It makes me feel like, oh, what am I doing wrong? And um, I have to let go of that. Right. I mean, the truth is that we aren't for everybody. We can't no. be for everybody. No, we and can't. There, yeah. And there's people at different price points. There's different, different ages, different stages. And that is Absolutely. what it is. But I really love what you're saying about first and foremost, believing in yourself and your abilities. And your offerings. Yeah. What you're offering, mm -hmm. your value and mm -hmm. I think that that is an area that a lot of new entrepreneurs struggle with. Maybe they don't have, you know, the quote unquote expert or certification or right. whatever it is that they feel that they need. And then sometimes they go off and they're getting this, this certificate and this training, and they're mm -hmm. just like overspending on validating yes. When there's nothing better than just doing the doing. work, you have to Absolutely. just do it. And even if you charge an introductory rate or friends or family, sure. whatever it is to get that experience and get those clients, you have to have that experience in the field in order to build that confidence. I yeah. think, I mean, I agree. I did it. I, um, when I first started, I didn't have the confidence. Obviously I was taking classes through NAPO and I was going to conferences, but I was just offering my services. I was like, who needs a closet organized? Who needs kitchen organized? And I just kept practicing. And I knew that that was going to be more important than that certification. And it still is. I think it just has to be this, you have to be confident in your ability and know that you, you know, believe that you are good at what you do and you have something of value to offer clients. Not to let other people bring you down or think otherwise you know like if someone says oh well i called another organizer and they were only this amount an hour i'm like that's great for them right that works for them i feel like this is my rate based on my expertise my you know all these things i i'm being i think that's a fair rate that's great. You know, maybe I'm not a good fit for you and that's fine. I would get very, I would take it very personally if someone, you know, says, oh, well, thank you for your proposal, but I think we're going to go with somebody else. And that would just 
I mean, I would get so upset and be like, why don't they like me kind of thing? But um, that's okay. And, you know, I'm always happy if I'm not a good fit for somebody to recommend some other colleagues that maybe, you know, will be a better fit for them. Yeah, I think that that's so important that you share that. And also just to know for people listening that I think that just takes time. And I think that just takes experience to be able to separate yourself a little bit emotionally. I mean, these are our businesses. These are our babies. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. we we take it personally as we should. But I think that idea of if it's meant for me, it's not going to miss me. The right people will continue to, to find me as long as I'm putting myself out there. I'm, I'm doing the networking. I'm, I'm doing my posting. I'm doing my emails. I mean, you can't just set up shop and expect all the people to show <laughs> off without yeah. knowing about you. So it is, you know, you putting yourself out there, which I know is definitely yeah. a struggle for people. But I think the other idea, what I hear you saying is a little bit letting go of that idea of failure and that you mm-hmm. are going to have hundreds of offers that don't land with people. You're going to yes. have dozens of proposals that are not accepted. And that not that you shouldn't take valuable lessons from that. I mean, maybe there is something with your pricing. Maybe there is something with, you know, how something is being worded. I mean, obviously there's things to learn, but that, that you just have to keep doing it and keep putting yourself out there in order to have the yeses. Like a no is not Mm -hmm. the end. A no is the beginning of you getting closer to a yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, Uh, At the beginning, I would take every project. It didn't matter if it fit my ideal, you know, project. And then to anything I took just to make money was always a nightmare. It never worked out. And so again, it's like having that patience, I think is really important. And if you, in your gut, you feel like you're saying yes, but you should be saying no, like listen to your gut. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I imagine too, In a business like yours that is so word of mouth Mm -hmm. dependent that that can be tricky. And I mean, it's tricky for me too. You know, Mm -hmm. I get, I get referrals and then sometimes the person is not, you know, it's not the best fit. It's not the right time, you know, whatever it is, they have life stuff going on. It just doesn't work out for us to connect. And I think I've just tried to have a, do a really good job of being boundaried in that and saying Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's not my responsibility. Whatever happens between me and this referral has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the original person. I can't get it all mixed up in my head. (laughs) No, you can't. Absolutely. And I mean, there is a lot, you know, a lot goes into building your base, your business. And I remember the beginning saying, I just want to get to a point where it's referrals because that would make me feel so good. You know, if that's what my business was based on. And, um, but I also think that you, you constantly have to be networking and meeting people and just letting people know what you do and who you are, what you value, how you want to help people. I think that is really important, but to a, to a degree where you're not overwhelming yourself, you're not getting that mental clutter of like going to like 20 networking things a week. Um, it's just about finding balance, you know, with everything, right. That's what it comes down to. 
Totally, because it is a balance. I mean, a lot of us, um, a lot of people listening are single, you know, solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so to balance how much time they are working on marketing and promotion and networking versus the actual business um, mechanics, you know, doing the finances, doing the books, doing taxes, like invoicing, all of that stuff. And then there's all the time that you actually are running the business, (laughs) right? That you're actually doing your client services, if it's that kind of a business, or you're actually making and manufacturing your product or, you know, depending on what it is you offer. But thank you so much for for sharing with all of us so open and honestly. I think that learning from you and your experience is going to be so helpful to so many people, both from the business perspective and also from the human, (laughs) the human experience of trying to live a life that is more simple and, and simple, I feel like has such a negative connotation. And I love how you have sort of taken back that word to be better and more streamlined and lighter and healthier and happier. So I'm, I'm all for the simple. I, you just said it right there. That's all. When I think of simple, I think of all those things. I think of just a nice balance of, of life and work and, and relationships and, and doing what you love and spending time with people you love in a place and a space you love. Um, and everyone has their own unique way of looking at that. So yeah, it comes down to living simple. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Tell everybody where they can find you and how they can access your brilliance. Sure. So my website is Vision Organizing. It's visionorganizing.com. And from there, you can connect with me on social media. You can uh, send me an email. You can give me a call. Um, Anyone that's interested, I'm happy to set up a, uh, I offer like free phone consults. If you want to chat about any organizing projects, I'd be happy to do so. And one thing we didn't get into, but I'll just mention at the end that I, I think is so innovative and, and we you know, have talked about separately is really being able to shift your business, which, and again, for people listening mm-hmm. that have a business that is location based and often, you know, hands-on to be able to expand into teaching like you're doing and value add presentations and really being able to take all of your knowledge more from just like the hands-on incredible work Mm -hmm. you do, but into like something that can be used worldwide, nationwide, where you can help you know, take all of your learnings and be able to help people from a digital perspective. And so I think that that's really cool. And, you know, just for, for those listening who are, well, how do I take my business, which is local and hands-on, like there are so many different ways. That's one of the things that I love helping people with. And you're such a great inspiration for that. There are so many ways. And I think COVID opened up the world to us, you know, unfortunately, you know, that something kind of positive came out of it, but to be able to do workshops, to be able to do virtual sessions. I mean, sometimes you just need an accountability partner and you need to talk through something with, you know, with a client. So that can be done in, you know, different ways and forms. It doesn't have to be on site. So I think just looking at your business and seeing how can I, how can I offer 
my services to clients or share my knowledge and expertise with others. And that will, your business will continue to, to grow. And I think that's really important. And it just keeps you learning and growing and, and feeling productive as well. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.